And now it's time for another patented Gabbo crank call. Oh, I love these. I can't believe it. He stole this bit from Krusty. Yeah, well, Krusty stole it from Steve Allen. Oh, everything's stolen nowadays. Why, the fax machine is nothing but a waffle iron with a phone attached. It's ringing. Hello, is this Krusty the Cloud? Is this the callback for that porno film? Look, I was a little nervous that day, but I'm all man. I can assure you. Uh, no, I represent a Japanese camera company. We'd like to pay you $2 million to do a camera commercial. Whoa! Me, Reiki, very much! Uh, oh, I hope I didn't offend you. I need this bad. Bad enough to hit yourself over the head with the phone? Whoa, you got it! Go! Go! Blood. <laughs> what the? Uh, if this is anyone but Steve Allen, you're stealing my bit. everybody, it's Dave Juskow on the Nightfly Podcast. How are you? I suppose uh, not starting off on our happiest note, this song is really great. Split Ends from a long time ago called Messages to My Girl. I play it today because uh, sad news in the uh, Nightfly Kingdom. And, and it's, uh, after we had such a wonderful week of our new Patreon uh, feed and, 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 and people uh, joining the podcast, and I appreciate it. I hate to open the podcast this way, but there's nothing I can do. Listen, the podcast, the Nightfly podcast, uh, is the Dave Juskow Show. So uh, how would I be in uh, talking to you and not letting you know what's uh, happening? I think uh, last, last week on the video and uh, audio combined podcast i uh, let you know that i had a friend who was dying in the hospital but she died on monday i'm taping this on friday november 20th and coming out on tuesday whatever day that is yeah she died i knew she was going to i didn't have any hope that she was going to the way it all went down but this girl is uh strange for me because um uh, it's very possible I was, uh, well, it's, who am I kidding? I was completely in love with her. And uh, maybe I didn't even want to admit it to myself until it was too late. I 
had high hopes that one day we would actually marry. I know. It's crazy, right? But I believed it to be true. And uh, I mean, maybe it was just uh, being, uh, you know, alone so long or whatever. But it's not because every time we were together, I was like, this maybe this could work out. And I tried many times to I, 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 I have texts even a month ago saying, come on, let's just let's get married already. Let's do this because she was dating. this the worst people ever and clearly drinking herself to death. And I guess I was trying to help. In whatever way that is, I don't know if marrying me is any help, which clearly it wasn't, because she chose an alternative method, <laughs> you know, which was dying. Uh, yeah, I know that sounds weird, and I'm not sure uh, how to handle it. I don't even know if, you know, I mean, to even talk about something like this on, on a festive podcast, and we'll get festive later, because, you know, as you know, or you, you don't know, but I've mentioned it before, death bo- doesn't bother me as much as it does others. I get affected in different ways. Uh, this is the third person that uh, a friend to die of COVID, uh, to die during the pandemic and only but the second to die of an uncovid related drunken incident you know we had Vic Henley die in in March we had Adam die of covid in April and now Trish uh dies just before Thanksgiving in November her name was Trish and she was a really terrific girl with a with a drinking problem and I was very close to her family as well, and I used to spend time with them. And the funny thing is, uh, you know, I was telling my mother yesterday, I was just like, you know, I, I, I think we would have been okay with them as our in-laws, you know. Uh, that's how much I really liked them. And I was thinking about this uh, a lot. And I guess a lot of my friends knew how I felt about her, whether I said it out loud like I just did now or not. They all knew because they called and said, I'm so sorry. And, you know, her mother was calling me, which meant, you know, I guess she meant a lot. Uh, I meant a lot to her, too, clearly. Clearly. And, uh, you know, when this all, uh, you know, when it got bad, uh, she was dating some guy in L.A., or some creep. I mean, seriously, living in like a trailer park. And sometimes, you know, and I knew she just had a penchant for dating guys that are just awful. Uh, I always thought she, you know, just, I don't know, you know, but whatever. But, um, yeah, I just, I, you know, and then she, last month, she's like, do you want a roommate? You know, do you want to, whatever. I was like, sure. And I guess we didn't make it in time. I know, it's uh, it's a horrible way to start the podcast. We're having a good time with the, the Patreon thing is happening. It's it's great. And the, I got to, you guys are so sweet and nice and actually you know there were people that you know signed up immediately and i can't tell you how much i appreciate it so i'm sorry to start off like this it's just so it's been such a strange week you know it's friday i found out on monday so me and my friend katie who uh, you know has never been on the podcast but she's been here when we've been taping and i've spoken about her before she's the one i go to see in orlando we've been friends for years and um you know she and and trish were all uh part of the uh Catch a rising star, they were the waitresses there that I've remained friends with. You know, I met this girl when she was 19. She died at 42. And she was gorgeous. I mean, really pretty. I mean, just on the inside as well. You know, she had this um, unbelievable personality, which was, you know, I know it's funny. It's always those people that die, you know. I mean, Vic Henley was, I mean, a blaze of fun to be around, just like this girl. 
I guess, you know, happy drunks like myself, I guess. Uh, I guess people would say that. They would also talk about the flip side, of course. But, um, you know, happy drunk people are a lot of fun to be around. And she wasn't, you know, the kind of person that was sloppy or anything. She just had a major drinking issue. And I probably told you stories before about her. I remember, um, you know, I remember one time I met her. Uh, she was about to look for a job and I met her during lunch, you know, when I was working, we met at a bar and she's like, yeah, I'm just going to get a splash of wine. And I'm after she told me she's not drinking anymore. And I'm like, well, is that wise, uh, going on an interview? And they're like, and she's like, yeah, no, they're cool. (laughs) And it's like at those points where, you know, I mean, I mean, I certainly knew, but how do you stop a, a situation like that? Or, you know, she, uh, the girl actually this uh, runs into the Cars movie. She's in the Cars movie, Turbocharged. She plays the Shake It Up girl. So you've seen her. You see how cute and adorable she is, just playing the Shake It Up girl. She wasn't an actress. Uh, she went to FIT, and um, you know she knew about fashion and textiles and things like that. And um, you know, so she's in the movie Turbocharged, and. So she, I found her through Miss New Jersey, who plays Paulina Poroskova in the movie Turbo Church. So we talked. Uh, her name is Michelle Gracie. She was Miss New Jersey. And we talked because that was her cousin. So we spoke, and Michelle Gracie was, get, was upset. And she goes, you know, I feel guilty because, you know, I lead a pretty good life and everything. I'm like, Michelle, let me tell you something. If, if anyone should feel guilty, it shouldn't be you. You did the most out of all of us to try and make today not happen because i talked to her on monday you did the most out of anyone because you said come out to california live here because she was living with her parents who are nice i mean very nice but you know i guess you know you got to move out of your parents house eventually right and she had her move to california and live with her because michelle lives in a nice place and she works really hard at being like a you know she's not a model anymore she's a real estate person and she works really hard at her job and made a living for herself and a name. I, I, I don't know if she's remarried. It's not important to the story. And she had Trish come out. She said, babysit my kids so I work and I'll give you money and I'll give you a place to stay, which is the best thing you can do for somebody that's got a drinking problem. But apparently it got so bad she actually had to, uh, you know, and I know, I know some of the story, but I, I don't know the whole thing. She had to like kind of force her into rehab, like trick her into going like like the way I pictured it in my head. She drove her up to the rehab center and two guys in white coats came out and like, what the hell's going on? Like, like and what about Bob? And they, and they handcuff her and bring her into this thing. And then she was in there and, you know, maybe it helped for a month, but always blamed Michelle for helping her. But now we say, wow, Michelle was the only one who kind of got it, you know, because you're just like, oh, please, really was that necessary? But it was. She was trying to save her from herself and then, of course, met some other douchebag who was recovering and they destroyed each other. And uh, I said, Michelle, you can't get angry at yourself. You did more than her parents did, more than I did. You know, we all questioned it. We knew she was in trouble. But I mean, where is it my place to say you need, you know, I I say you need help, but I, you know, I don't know. What am I supposed to do? Um, you know, I would say, are you sure it's a good idea to drink now? I mean, you're 
you're going to be driving or whatever. And she's like, no, nah, it's cool. I mean, I, I don't know where the, the lines are to step in. But her cousin was like, yeah, I'm stepping in now. And then she moved back to Jersey. That's what she called me. And apparently she, uh, over the summer, was living in Red Bank. I'm like, I don't understand. You didn't call me all summer. But I guess she was going into the program. But then in a badass Nicolas Cage kind of way, I think was just living in a hotel, drinking herself away. Her mom told me she had to call the police and get her out of that hotel. I mean, she was the real deal. And um, pretty much just was destroying herself. And when she was at home, she fell. This is how it happened. Just like Vic. The exact same story as Vic Henley, if you remember us telling the story in March. Boozed up, fell, hit her head. Uh, Unfortunately, her father put her to bed because he might have been drunk. Who knows? Uh, Set her down. Didn't know she hit her head so hard. You know, didn't know. And she's not going to be forthcoming. She's like, I'm fine, probably. Put her to bed. They can't wake her up a few hours later. They call the 911. They medevac her to a hospital in Pennsylvania for two weeks in the ICU. Uh, as soon as I heard the organs were failing, which I think I did mention yesterday, I know it's over. And the organs were failing because her liver was shot. And that's how it works. Your liver can't help you. You poisoned it. And I guess this was her plan all along. I mean, I don't think she was ever suicidal because she really had a great outlook on life, just like the booze. But I'll tell you this, she had a troubled existence. You know, I think she had some family issues early on, but those are the things you can get over that you're not going to drink yourself to death. But I'll tell you what I believe in my heart, where she never got over and never got therapy for it, was September 11th. Her and and my friend Katie, but she in particular, lived underneath the World Trade Center. And the building fell on her, you know, on her apartment and where she was heading to work. And she came up to my house that day, walked like everybody else, like the zombie apocalypse it is in my head, covered in the World Trade Center, smut, smoot, smut, what do you call it, suit, soot covered in it like a zombie remember she walked you know i live on the upper east side she walked from lower manhattan there like as a like a zombie with this look on her face like how is this happening and she came up here because she you know she knew this was a safe place came up covered in it and i don't think she ever recovered because then after that uh my friend katie left town and katie now my best pal katie you know from orlando who i love so much um feels horribly guilty they worked it out but trish blamed her for abandoning her after september 11th but you can't blame katie uh found this great guy that she's married to now who i became friends with who was the best guy they were perfect together his name was johnny he was like uh you know from her hometown and he came up to new york city Now, most people from Florida have no desire to live in New York City or visit New York City because they hear things about it, which I totally get. It's like me never wanting to go to the Bronx because all I hear in the paper, even though I live in New York City, I never want to go to the Bronx because the vision in my head of the Bronx is it's the scariest place on earth. So I could get, if you grew up in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and you just hear things about New York where I don't want to be in a city like that. But he came up here, moved in, found a job because he was in love with this girl. 
and he knew, you know, uh, that it was the real deal, and they were probably going to get married. So he sucked it up, came to New York. I was his only friend, and he never complained. And he said, I'm doing this for my girl while she finishes school, and maybe someday we'll move to Florida. But I think Katie wanted to stay here forever. She's in the fashion, she's in the perfume industry. She loved New York. She wanted to stay here. That's why she came to school here. So they might have moved to New Jersey, and Johnny would have been completely okay with that because he was a man, and he was in love with this woman, and he didn't care where they lived. But after something like September 11th happens, you cannot blame a guy that, that says, all right, we're out of here. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> I was in it to win it until some shit like this went down. And we're out. So, you know, that's when you have to make the twist and say, thank you, Johnny, for doing this for me. Now I guess it's time to do something for you. Can you blame anyone ever if you're not from here moving out after September 11th? No, no. But unfortunately, Trish felt abandoned by Katie, and of course it is not her fault. And they apparently worked it out. We've talked about this nonstop this week. But Trish never got therapy, and clearly this affected her in a big way. Now, she had a job after this, you know, like, but the job was odd. It was working. It was just like Devil Wears Prada, where she was on call 24 hours a day to this guy. And, uh, and this guy had her, he owned her. Like, in a way, so, like, she had this life where she was living in this really nice apartment, which I'd been to, uh, you know, this high-rise and this nice place, but it was this, but it was also the guy's office. So, you know, even though she lived there, people were working there, and she had a car, but it was the guy's car. So it was all under somebody else's good graces, and when that job finished, she was done, too. And she never recovered after that, and the September 11th, she never got her footing in life. Never could get away from her uh, parents in the in the sense of like finding her own place, getting her own apartment, uh, all that kind of stuff. And the September 11th thing, I mean, listen, who could blame anybody for that? That's a hard thing. I was here on September 11th, and it's funny when you hear people talk about it that weren't here. You know, you just want to punch them in the face. But, you know, there's levels of September 11th where you get confused. Uh you know, somebody like a Pete Davidson who lost his dad uh, trying to rescue people, that's, that's a pretty big deal. So if you're out of the city then, but you have a, a, somebody who died in it, especially a firefighter, but even somebody who was just working in the building, you have this unfortunate horribleness to September 11th. And there's just the reg- random people that live here like myself who, you know, when you're talking to people in L- L.A. and they try and take because they were there, were like, oh, we watched the whole thing and it was horrible. You know, they, they can't understand I mean, it was bad for the whole country. We know that. But if you're actually here, it was really fucked up. At least the pandemic is worldwide. So nobody's worse off than anyone else. And people might be leaving Manhattan and everybody talks about New York being bad, but the whole world's going through it. But September 11th, even though the whole world went through that too, obviously it's a little worse for the people that were here because it happened here. We didn't know if it was going to happen again. Of course, everybody all over the country, you don't know whether who was going to be hit next, something like that. So everybody's in a panic. But unfortunately, it happened here, and we dealt with the aftermath of the people of downtown and the smell 
and the smut that you know came all the way up here. But this girl, so she's on another level where she was there and covered. She's one of those people that is worse off than me because I just you know I was just sitting in my house when it happened and I went that she was there and her lo- life fell apart. It fell on her apartment. And her life fell apart after that. And can you blame her? I think she, uh, one of the last things I have, she was getting checked to see if she had cancer because, you know, there were things that happened to all these people that were covered in the asbestos-built World Trade Center. Um, you know, I was talking to my friend Joe Messina, who I've had on this podcast before, who's had so much tragedy in his life, unfortunately. And he was telling me, I didn't even know this, his wife, who, uh, you know, is terrific and strong, she came in and is probably in full denial, came in also covered in it. I didn't know this until this week. She came in, came home to Jersey and just sat on the couch and watched TV covered in the World Trade Center soot. And when Joe came home, he's like, what, what the hell is this? She was like a zombie and just sat there on the couch. It reminded me, I told him it reminded me of the end of After Hours where Griffin Dunn has that night out and he's put, put in the plaster, remember, and he and he's dumped out of the truck and he's just covered in soot or whatever he's covered in and he just goes to work and sits down and starts working as if nothing happened because it's a form of shock. And clearly that happened to all those people that were actually down there, what, didn't watch it on TV, watched it live. Can you even, can you even imagine I mean, we were on Katie's rooftop for years, getting high, drinking, having a great time. They had a great apartment down there, down in that neighborhood, because it was much cheaper down there, because nobody wanted to live by the World Trade Center, not because of this. And we'd look at the World Trade Center, maybe we'd you know, even be on mushrooms or something. I don't know. I hate that stuff anyway, but who knows? And be like, geez, can, you know, what would happen if the World Trade Center fell? You know, I mean, do you think it would uh, tip over and we'd be killed or would it implode? And then, you know, you leave there going like, well, I guess we'll never find out. But we found out. It implodes, by the way, in case you were keeping track. Turns out it implodes. So anyway, all that being said, I mean, I don't know about Jocelyn. I don't think she went to therapy either. This is Joe's wife. But, you know, there's some form of probably denial in it. But she's also a very, very strong person. And again, she's also dealt with a lot of tragedy. And it's amazing how her and Joe move on. And they have moved on before. You you know, remember, we we have him on with this charity, uh, Hope and Heroes. And, um, you know, unfortunately, their daughter died. You know, that's goddamn extra tragedy you don't need after september 11th and it's really bad and and they push on because they're very strong very strong individuals the two of them but a lot of people aren't built like that unfortunately i always wonder if i'm built like that at all maybe i don't know i mean i guess i keep pushing on but you know i mean i have so many suicidal suicidal thoughts sometimes and stuff but that could come out of Uh, loneliness or depression and stuff and i guess they're just not built that way and even though she might have been in shock she seemed to be able to deal with it but trish wasn't that kind of person and already had some maybe a couple of childhood inner demons and the september 11th thing i believe pushed her over the edge you know she's also irish so that's a thing (laughs) and seriously that's a drinking thing 
And uh, oh, it's just such a tragedy. So here's the other part. They're having a funeral tomorrow. I'm like, what? How are you having a funeral? There are going to be like 200 people there. Obviously, I can't. They're expecting me to go, but I, this comes out Tuesday. So, you know, I, I don't think they'd be listening to this, but I mean, I'm like, I, I can't go. I can't go to that. And do I feel I can't go to that on Saturday and then hope to go to my sister's on Thanksgiving? Meanwhile, my sister, as you know, has tested positive. So Thanksgiving might be canceled anyway. We'll find out tomorrow. Again, taping this on Friday, Saturday. Maybe she'll have her results back. Maybe we can go to Thanksgiving. Maybe. But I certainly couldn't go if I go to a funeral with 200 people and sit in a room with my mother. I mean, that's just completely selfish. And then I say to myself, is it selfish that I want to go to Thanksgiving? Would I be better off going to the funeral? Is it selfish in that sense that I want to go to Thanksgiving instead of this funeral? But I'm not going. I mean, you got to be kidding. If it was any other day, of course I would be. It wouldn't even be a question. Katie would be flying up from Florida. I'd be picking up at the airport, and we'd be going there probably for the whole weekend to do everything they had, the wake, the funeral, the burial. We would be doing it. It is not a normal year for deaths. Now, they live in western New Jersey, so no one cares out there. They're, you know, Trump people, and they just go about their business. It's like being in Florida, where everything's just open and things go on. But, you know, The Stand, which is a comedy club here in the city, has been doing shows illegally, comedy shows, because everybody's trying to hold on. I don't really care for the people The Stand. In fact, I think I told you the only guy I liked there was the guy who was murdered. there's so much tragedy what is that um but somebody uh will savents actually a wonderful comic who uh when i put together that uh, billy joel song and i put the thing he gave me a lot of the photos he was opening for dave Chappelle in texas got tested positive for covid he's got a quarantine now and he was at the stand on friday so they had to send out a letter anyone was here including david tell you got a test because who knows uh, anybody's a Rachel, everybody's screwed because of one person. You don't, you just don't know. And so then I, you know, I went out for dinner on Wednesday, but it was like, what uh, is this being selfish? But I haven't seen people in two weeks, but then I am being selfish because we're not supposed to see people, but I live in New York city and it feels like everybody is doing stuff, but I'm alone and I don't, I don't know what's happening. Nobody knows what to do. And everybody's just basically doing what they feel comfortable with. So if I am one of those people that doesn't feel like I'm going to catch it, I'm not being a dick. I'm not trying to infect anybody, but I'll go eat indoors because it doesn't bother me as it does others where they're like, no, I'm feeling like I'm going to get caught. So I go eat indoors in the legal amount of eating indoors that you can. And, you know, I'll see two and three people and wear my mask and do everything I'm supposed to do legally. Uh, but is it selfish? But what 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 am I? So should I not be seeing my mother this whole year? Probably not. But she doesn't care if she cared. I wouldn't see her. My friend Lawrence hasn't seen his mother in a year or since February. Because she feels uncomfortable. He feels uncomfortable. And he doesn't even see anybody. He would be the one person that could go see her because he, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't do a lot of stuff. Him and his wife, they stay in. 
I go out once a week, twice on Sundays during football season, right? I go out once a week on Wednesdays, and I didn't go out last Wednesday because it was raining, and it was freezing this Wednesday, and I wanted to have dinner with Dave and Russ and Nick, and you know the way we do it, and our friend Steve. And I'm like, I I deserve this. <laughs> you know, other people are going out and eating either outdoors or in restaurants. I deserve to see people once in a while. Other people are doing it. You know, until they say we can't. But I feel horribly guilty. If I'm going out that why aren't I going to the funeral? But again, you just have to go with what you feel comfortable with. Do I feel comfortable going to a funeral with 200 people? No. So what am I doing? I'm going out to Western Jersey where there's nobody, but there's 200 people at the funeral. And then I'm going to come back to New York and spread it around for everybody to see. That's a dick move. Yeah, I guess I'll just say it. I talked to Esther Koo yesterday, and she said, uh, uh, my my boyfriend and the kids, we're, we're coming into New York Sunday. And I'm like, what? It's closing down. <laughs> He's like, well, he wants to do something. And I'm like, there's nothing to do here. For kids, everything's pretty much closed. But everybody does what they feel comfortable with, I guess. I guess if you're not afraid of catching it, you just... I mean, as long as you don't spread it to everybody else. I mean, you just have to be polite and make sure you you quarantine and social distance properly and just do everything by what we've been told to do by the law and then you're not being a complete asshole. But a funeral like that for a... A wonderful family and a wonderful girl, and I'm close to everybody and her, you know, outside family, and including, you know, Michelle Gracie and all those people. But you got to be kidding me. So the 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 Trish and I reconnected again because she came back from California, and then the when I heard with her, it was in September at her uncle's funeral where they had 200 people, and Michelle's like, oh, we were all wearing masks. I'm like, but. Maybe, but uh, there's so much tragedy in there. Like, but again, they're Irish, and it's uh, Irish people lose people by the day. You know, whether it's drinking or hilarious uh, drunken accidents. Uh, so I think they're all used to this stuff. But you know, we just loved. I loved Trish for being a. We loved our Jersey connection, and she was a big Jersey girl, and. I'm, you know, I love Jersey and I feel like, we, you know, I just really felt like, I, I mean, I, 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 you know, I've been thinking about it more, obviously, but I've been thinking about this when she was alive before I even knew she was going to die. I was like, I think I'd be really happy with this girl for the rest of my life. At least the girl she was when she was drinking a little, but not to the excess. You know, again, one of those girls, I, you know, I liked her parents. And one of those girls who you can um, go to a party and, and leave her alone and she can take care of herself. I mean, that's the best kind of wife to have, right? Somebody that's not clingy. She just, I mean, she loves you and she loves your company and you love her and everything. But you can also go to a party and mingle and you don't have to worry. And she's not going to say like, why did you leave me alone? She would never say that. I mean, everybody loved her, guys especially. They just always wanted to be around her. She just gave off this great vibe, like a really, really terrific vibe. So everybody I've 
called and said, like, so Rick Newman, who you know from Catch a Rising Star, that's how I met her. Me and, and Trish and him and his wife, we used to double date all the time. But they loved her, and the, and Rick's wife really liked her, and they you know started it at catch together, and she was devastated when she heard. You know, especially it's it's extra weird, you know, for somebody like Rick. I mean, you didn't think Rick was going to outlive the wait staff at Catch a Rising Star, you know? I mean, that's that's the really odd thing when you think about that. But that's how wonderful and and the, the energy she gave off. But of course, everyone we know who has died this year, had that thing. Vic Henley was the same way. Maybe if you didn't know him, I'm telling you, it's like, a, let's just say, if I was gay, he would have been the guy <laughs> to marry because you, you bring that guy to a party, you don't have to worry about it. Th- I mean, this guy is the most fun and joyful person, just like this girl. It's really weird that these two wonderful human beings uh, died of the same disease. In the sense of getting drunk, falling, and not fixing themselves and just letting it go because they're so drunk. They have no idea what's going on. Remember, Vic got hit. He was drunk, got hit by a car. He's like, I'm fine. He's internally bleeding the whole time, just like Trish. And they both died the exact same way. And they were both very much alike in their lust for, ironically, life even though something inside was clearly trying to kill themselves which is so confusing for someone like me whereas i I don't even know if i told you this last tuesday i guess i'm the same way in a way i'm just good about drinking i have a gambling problem i don't have a drinking problem but it was like last tuesday i told you i was so upset about what rachel did on the show and keith robinson i googled can you is 10, you know, or is, 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 is 17 floors or five floors, is it whatever, high enough to kill yourself if you jump out the window? This is what I was like. That's how fucked up I was last week. Uh, plus, I'd already known about Trish, so I was just getting really upset about everything. And uh, you know what came up when you Google it? The suicide prevention hotline. So that's actually good. That's why I brought that up. That's fascinating that... Uh, that instantly came up. So maybe I'm just like them because as a drunk, I am fun. I am fun to be. I mean, listen, when I'm in a good mood, I'm a fun guy. But if I am not in a good mood, boy, you do not want to be around me. I am a dick and a half. So in very many ways, I'm exactly like those guys. And if I died, I guess people would be saying the same thing. But I'm lucky enough that I met these two people who had this lust for life. And I'll tell you, Adam Schlesinger, although he wasn't, you know, the uh, how are you kind of guy, you know, he was a delight as well. Now, he died of COVID, so it's a separate thing. But, you know, we've already talked about this at length, about what a sweetheart of a person this person was. You know what I mean? It's just not fair. And yet my boss from my old job had COVID and he survives. Why can't he die? That's right. Even though... I don't really hate him. I mean, I would probably never hate him if the circumstances didn't happen. But there's so many douchebags who are still alive. And yet these two wonderful people who bought joy to others by their infectious love of life died not even of COVID. That's the worst part. At least if they died of COVID, you know, you could, you could, that would have been perfect. 
Because then you could say, well, you know, like we said, when Adam died April 1st, you know, we're going to, oh, we're going to lose a lot of friends. We're going to lose a lot of people we love. And that hasn't happened at all. I don't know anyone who had COVID except older people who might have died of it. But when they keep saying there's all these deaths, I'm like, I don't know anybody. Do you? I was talking to my friend Rich Duffy about it. He's like, I don't know anybody either. I, I mean, I'm talking to everybody. Nobody, nobody knows anybody that's uh, besides Adam who died of it in their 50s or that Broadway guy. And, that, and that's pretty because, because the ventilators, they figured out that wasn't the way to go. But uh, it's just so crazy. So me and uh, Katie have been talking every day. She's been really crying. You know, some people handle I haven't had a, a cry about it because for me, I, you know, I just, I mean, I care and I miss her, but I, I just, you know, everybody processes death differently. I make jokes. Uh, in fact, their, her father said, hey, you better bring some jokes to the, fu- to the funeral. You know, bring, bring jokes with you. That's what he said. They just assumed I was coming. I was pretending I didn't hear about it, but you know, obviously, I heard about it. But there's no way I can go. Plus, my sister has COVID. I was, I can't. I might. Or maybe I'm being two faced because I went out for dinner, even though I know. I don't. I don't. I tried to get a test on Tuesday or Wednesday. I went down. They're sold out of tests at one o'clock in the afternoon. They're totally sold out. They stopped. You know, there was a line, but I wouldn't mind waiting in the lines like to vote. But they were sold out of the, or, or they ran out of the testing, whatever they need to do. And you know, you're you all going through that all over the country. I mean, it's, it's insane. Everybody's trying to get tested before Thanksgiving. Because everybody wants to go home for Thanksgiving. And you know what? You probably just should. Because it's insane to ask people to still, at Thanksgiving, when we shut everything down in March, to still ask people to do this. It's over. I mean, it's not over, but it's like it has to be over. I know every, I mean, I think everybody's on board. I tell you this, if I heard that Biden, when he takes over on January 20th, everybody says he's going to close down everything again. But no one would have a problem with it if he said, I'm going to close it down for six weeks. And on March 1st, we're opening everything up as if the whole thing never happened. If he said that, if there was a promise to open everything, if you closed everything down, but there was a promise that no matter what happens, we open it up again because we can't live like this. No one would have a problem with that. But by but but this is ridiculous. I know we're all set to close everything down again. The schools closed yesterday in New York City, at least. That's all I know about. Obviously, they're pretty much planning on closing the restaurants and bars again for inside dining, at least. And everybody knew it was coming. Everybody knew the second wave was coming. That's all they were talking about. The second wave's coming. It's coming. But, you know, fuck this. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, just like January, I mean, I, I guess the, the president thing is a problem because there's not a, the, the president's supposed to be, it's not going to be in office yet. But, you know, somebody's got to say, January 1st, February 1st, March 1st, we're opening it all up again. We don't care. We're not opening up in spells. We're just going for it because we can't live like this. You can't go to a funeral anymore. I mean, I know two people that died. I haven't been able to say goodbye. And I love funerals. But anyway, I'm sorry for, uh, you know, this ridiculous uh, rant and stuff. But, well, it's not a rant. I mean, it's I, I just wanted to tell you what was going on. I felt that. Uh, 
I needed to talk about it, and I probably didn't even go to where I wanted to go about this. Uh, you know, again, with me and death, it's um, it's one of those things I don't cry about it. But then I, you know, I live my life and I go through and I do stuff. And then when, of course, I'm reminded about it, I go and I get angry. I'm angry. I'm angry at Trish. I'm angry at Adam, even though he had nothing to do with that. I'm just like, fuck. You know, I'm angry. I'm angry that they are dead. I'm angry at Vic and Trish. I'm definitely angry at those two because that didn't have to happen. I'm just so I'm angry. And I see Trish. I'm like, you stupid ass. You know, you just get upset about it. Because, you know, it just didn't have to happen. And I really wanted to help. And, you know, I was just looking at the text. Um, I guess I hung out with her about exactly a year ago or. Yeah. And the texts were just like, oh, you know, my parents, we were all talking about you. It's cute. They know how I feel about you or you feel about me. And, you know, you see those texts now. They all mean something so special. Uh, you know, I was looking back and, you know, now I'm looking, I'm like, how many dead people do I have in my phone that I can't seem to erase? I don't want to erase their messages. I mean, I, I was going through it yesterday. I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I got so many dead people in there. That's insane. And my mother's like, why do you have so many dead people? I'm, I'm 30 years older than you. I don't have as many dead friends as you do. I'm like, I've, tro- I've chosen a strange profession of weirdos. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the people I know just keep dropping off like flies, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's weird. But I'm sure there's plenty of other people that have much more tragic stories than I do. But it is odd to, uh, you know, that there's just so because we've lived such a normal life uh, b- before I, you know, moved to the city or, you know, did this. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just weird. I I guess when you get into comedy, even though she's not comedy or in that world, people just, or I told my mother, I'm just like, I think the issue is this happens to everybody, but you just don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> so I think that's the issue. Maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing I could do now, but I, I you know, it's funny. It just, it kept me going. I'm like, well, maybe someday I'll get to marry her and you know, everything will be Okay. So that's out of the question. I need somebody new to uh, concentrate on where maybe it can happen to keep me going, you know, that uh, maybe it'll all work out. But, uh, you know, I think we're just going to go maybe, you know, visit her parents like a week from now or something. We'll, you know, we'll hang out. But we can't go to the funeral, right? I mean, you guys, I'm sure you guys are with me on that. Anyway, move on. Sorry, sorry. Uh, let's... Uh, Let's talk about something else. Uh, number one, last week's uh, video audio. I thought it was okay. I thought it was good, but I was very upset because the uh, Esther stuff, and it has nothing to do with Esther, my audio was bad. There's something clearly wrong with my internet, and, uh, you know, I hate that stuff. It drives me insane. So, But that's what you get. You know, if you do it on Zoom, you, you have to kind of take a chance. It's not this wonderful quality I have, you know, when I put everything together just audio-wise, but... We're going to keep it going. As you know, Patreon started last week. The $3 package, the $5 package, the $10 package. And I will tell you, I made the tote bags. I know I was saying it as a joke. And they're like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I think everybody who does the $10 package is getting a tote bag. 
I don't know how it works. I'm, I'm getting them next week. I designed them. <laughs> it's got the, uh, the Nightfly logo on the front. And on the back, it's got uh, a, a, a picture of me from my Twitter page, which is hilarious with the stupid sailor hat. It says, hey, now. And then it says uh, th- something like, we support patrons like me, which is like the PPS uh, slogan or something with support for people pe- pe- people like me, something like that. And then it says the JPN, which is the Just Got Podcast Network <laughs> instead of PPS. I got to get a logo like or something with the uh, like PBS has with those three phases or something. But that's what you get. If you sign up for the $10 level, you get a tote bag. That's hilarious. So I'm not sure how that works. Like, I guess I have to get everybody's addresses. But then why would somebody want to give me their address? I don't know. I got to figure something out how it's going to be delivered to people. I, but uh, maybe Patreon does it itself. I, I don't know. So I don't know. I guess I could just, you know, mail it out to everybody individually. But I know Patreon mails out merchandise. I just don't know if they mail out the merchandise you didn't make from their company. But there's nothing funnier than getting a free tote bag. And really, it's not free, technically, because you're, you know, signing. But, you know, it's just like a pledge drive for PBS. I mean, that's funny. And if you don't think that's funny, that's something, you know, then why would you sign up for the Dave Jesco? But exactly. You guys get it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And uh, so here's the big news. Uh, it's not big news. I mean, uh, the 300th episode is coming up in three weeks. And uh, it's possible. I was thinking last night. It's possible. I might have to skip a week to make sure I have everything that I want to do for the 300th. And quite frankly, I'm not exactly sure what that is. But, you know, if there's somebody I can't get for the show that's going to make it better, I might have to take a week off, which, of course, is insane once you just signed up for Patreon and you feel like a dick. But I want to make sure I get the 300th correct. 300 is kind of a big deal. So I'm working on that. And we'll see what happens. But normally that would be the December 8th episode is the 300th. Um, so I'm working on that. Uh, Tuesday's show, if you were watching on the Comedy Cellar show, was great and really fun. So I'm glad we had a good show. All three of them were terrific. We're talking about Richard Klein, the uh, legendary Larry Dallas, Amy Yazbek, John Ritter's uh widow wife it's hard to say that too and david yazbek the uh, broadway composer so it was an interesting eclectic group of people everybody was fun and it's funny david yazbek was right the football picks didn't fit into that format it was like we were having a good time we were talking it was interesting it just doesn't work those three don't care about it but you got to keep the format going i got to keep it going 17 weeks can't just cut out a week so he's right the people who don't care about the football. They're probably tuning out. They come over the football, but you know it's on YouTube. If you're not watching live, you can scroll through it. It's no big deal. You still get the fun. That's the beauty. And uh, tonight, uh, whatever date this is again, I think it's the 24th. Uh, we have Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman tonight. Uh, actually, uh, our friend Gabriel, who donated on the ten dollar level, has already asked a question, which I will be using. So if you get this in time and you're on the $10 level, please uh, ask uh, Sarah a question. I'll ask her if it's a you know, pretty decent question. I didn't mean it like that, but you know what I mean. I'll give you the shout out. And uh, 
So Sarah Silverman will be on our our football show tonight with along with Mark Cohen, who is our friend forever, who is the um, house MC at the Comedy Cellar Vegas. And along with I chose to choose our friend Dave Rath. He is the producer of Crashing. He is a manager. He's not a comic. But the four of us get along so well and have so much fun. I was like, it's the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. Let's make it more of a family-oriented show. And Dave was like, why do you want me to be on it? I'm like, Dave, you're like the funniest guy I know without being a comedian. You know, you're up there with my friends Lee Maracas and Lars, but he's actually funnier. And it's just really quick. Um, so, and David Elliott, of course, who's actually just as quick. David Elliott actually might be the funniest. I mean, it would be him and Dave. So anybody named David who's not a comedian is really funny. But um, anyway, so that's the show tonight, and it really should be super fun. I don't see how we can go wrong. Sarah used to be in my football pool. Dave Rath knows about sports. So right there, at least we have two people that at least know about sports. So that should be fun, too. It should be really fun. We're picking the Thanksgiving games. I mean, I'm excited. I'm really loving Football, I'm loving gambling. You know, my God, it's so ridiculous. Went to my mother's yesterday and Thursdays, usually go there. And my favorite place to gamble now is the rest stop off exit 11 on the New Jersey Turnpike. I just sit at this rest stop. I go get a Gatorade inside because I'm always thirsty after we eat at that diner. And I get a Gatorade and I just, and I I concentrate on my weekend bets. I put them all in. And then I get inklings. I'm like, maybe I should go out to Jersey and put in more. But see, that is where we draw the line. No. So I'm thinking because I listen to all this stuff and I'm like, Jesus, I should go back. And I'm like, no, that is the difference we're trying to make this year. And it's working. We do not go back and put more money on. That is the disease. But it is so stupid. Why is it fun to sit in that ridiculous rest area and make my picks? It's so stupid. there's something about that stupid rest area i've always liked it as a kid it was something like i was like oh the rest area in the turnpike means you're heading to new york city which you know i don't even like to go back but as a kid there was something i think i used to play little league right where that is and stuff it's just there's something about it it's like retarded i I don't know what to i don't know how to explain it (laughs) i took a picture of the sun this beautiful sunset setting over the new jersey turnpike yesterday i'll Probably show it on the show on Tuesday, and if not, then the Sunday uh, 10 a.m. one, which I don't recommend watching. Just like doing it, you know? Look forward to Sundays just for that. Uh, moving on, i just tell you, Wednesday night I had such a great time. I hadn't seen people in two weeks. So I had such a good... It was freezing, and I'm like, you know, maybe I shouldn't go out. I was making excuses. Nah, maybe I should. maybe I shouldn't go out. I'm so glad I went out. I went to that bar and I was freezing because I took the motorbike, you know. I clearly don't have any gloves that can keep my hands warm. So I was freezing and she made me this hot cider with rum in it. Oh my God, that was fantastic. I had two of those. And then we went to this Italian restaurant. That's not that great, but we had a great time. Food was good. It was fun. I was just so happy. I had some wine. It was great to be out doing anything. And obviously these guys are so funny. And we went back to the cellar for a little bit. You know, there was only three people there. I mean, not it wasn't open. We were just hanging out, just having some more wine. 
And, you know, still home at midnight. It's fantastic. It feels like three in the morning, but it wasn't. And I was just so happy to be doing anything. I, you know, I hope you guys are having at least one or two good nights at some point every couple of weeks. You got to do something, right? You go insane. So that was, I was really glad I got to do that. It was funny, you know, I was thinking yesterday, I, you know, I love picking up the Star Ledger, which is the New Jersey paper when I'm in New Jersey. I love stopping, getting the Star Ledger, reading at my mom's house, or sometimes I read it here when I come home. Like an old man, you know? I like reading the comics in there, you know, and I was like making fun of them on Sundays. And uh, it's funny, I was thinking to myself when I was a kid, it reminded me, when I was a kid, I used to, I used to love getting newspapers from other states, especially like the Philadelphia Inquirer. I remember somebody gave it to me once, and I was they had different comics, and it was a different paper down that they're like, if I could get a different paper at a local newsstand, something that wasn't the New Jersey paper or whatever, I was like really happy to just get something else and get you know different a different city. And that's just so old school. I mean, you know, nobody, why would any, who reads the paper even anymore? That's why they run out of it by noon whenever I go there. I, I really like reading the newspaper every Thursday. And, you know, I get the postal every Friday, Saturday, Sunday here, but it's not as fun as reading papers from other cities. I love local newspapers. That's why I never liked USA Today. I can see that anywhere. I like the local newspapers. See how they do things. And I also got this the Home News Tribune, which was what we used to have as a kid growing up, which was the News Tribune. And then the people in North Edison used to have the Home News. Uh, and, and then they combined it, the Home News Tribune. I can't believe it's still around. I bought it yesterday. It's unbelievable. Well, you we used to have the News Tribune, and uh, you know, I probably used to deliver it at some point. My grandfather used to call it the Perth Amboy paper. Oh, you mean the Perth Amboy paper? He didn't even know the name of it. You mean the Perth Amboy paper? I guess their headquarters were in Perth Amboy. Meanwhile, I knew they were in Woodbridge for a while because, again, that's where the Little League Stadium was, right at the News Tribune offices. And I was always like, God, I'd love to work in that office someday. I'd love to be a reporter. And then I became a reporter, but then I didn't realize you have to be kind of smart. You've got to use words properly, and that's an issue. But again, that all being said, I still like print journalism. I'm the last one. The last one left. Speaking of Joe Messina, I'll tell you something so interesting. His daughter is going to college now, and he told me she is exempt from exams. I never heard of anything like this. She's exempt from finals because her grades are so good she doesn't need to take them. I've never heard that in my life. And I said, wait a minute, is that like a a COVID thing? Like they just... They want just people to go. They don't want as many people taking it or is that I've never heard of that in my life. And I don't even remember what he said because I was blown away by the fact that you don't have to take finals if your grades are really good. But you know what I was thinking? That makes a heck of a lot of sense. Why do you have to take a final if it, it uh, if your grades are great and the professor thinks you know everything? You, you've done your job. It's it's like... um. It's like you're playing in like the in baseball or something. You you, you want to win the the pennant, and then you all. I mean, in that job, the World Series is good, but do you really need it? You've already proven you're great. 
Uh, I don't, I mean, you know, for her future, why, why is a final exam going to make a difference if she's acing all of her courses? I think that's fascinating. I'd never heard that in my life. I want to find out more information about that, if that's new or if that's been going on forever, because obviously I guess I don't know anybody that's smart. So I, I was fascinated by that. I want to do, uh, convey that on the podcast today. And, you know, there's a couple of things i written down this week, but it's been a very strange week. Uh, there's a band called the Pogues, which I don't really know very well, but of course, you know, Memo probably knows it really well. He likes those alt bands, and I guess they're, are they Irish? I guess they're Irish or something. Anyway, they have a very famous Christmas song in Europe called Fairy Tale of New York, and it's pretty much an Irish drinking song, and it's like the number, it has been voted the number one Christmas song of all time, but it's like a mess. I think it's like a, Fairy tale in New York, two people go to New York and they have these visions and they get drunker and drunker and they hate each other. But it has the word slut and faggot in it. So a lot of the stations won't play it anymore because we're in our PC, you know, whatever. It's just one of those things where, you know, it's funny, I'm probably affected by that too in the sense I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe they're playing that. But if you listen to the song, it fits because how many drunk girls do you know that still to this day for me, when they get that drunk, they're going to call you a faggot or they're going to call you a dirty Jew. So it makes sense. So like BBC One won't play it, but BBC Two is more people my age. So they don't mind playing the full version. But it's interesting. I have a, a, a copy of it here. I'd never heard it before today. Christmas Eve in the drunk tank an old man said to me won't see another one and then he sang a song the rare old mountain dew I turned my face away so it, it it you know it takes place in a drunk tank because they I was reading about it and they said Elvis Costello wanted to call it Christmas in the drunk tank and they're like well nobody will play it then so it's, it's, I'm going to skip ahead because um, you know it picks up when the when the girl comes in. Dribbing that bed. You scumbag, you mugger, cheap, cheap, lousy faggot. 
I like this song. It's, it, it sounds good and it's really kind of funny. And I think there's a video where they actually use the NYPD. Uh, they say the NYPD, uh, the boys of the NYPD choir, which there is none, but they say we're singing out. But I think it's funny. The music is amazing. And Matt Dillon's in the video for some unknown reason. Must have been a big Pogues fan. Apparently, when they were filming the video, they were so wasted. <laughs> Not that they don't sound that here. I mean, I'd even write a song if you're not that hammered. Meanwhile, they're still all alive. Sorry, bought it back again. But uh, a wonderful Yuletide tune, <laughs> if you're sick of the old stuff. I think it's kind of awesome. Uh, you know, they're making a Save by the Bell reboot, which I am over the moon about, of course. The Peacock Network coming out on Thanksgiving. Very excited. And they didn't ask Dustin Diamond to come on, and he's pretty angry. But, you know, nobody wants him anyway. It's a horrible character. It was funny when he was cute. Then it's just sad when you're the ugliest person out of the prettiest people you've ever seen. But he's been a dick about it. And, um, you know, he wrote a tell-all book, and the cast is all denying it. And you're like, oh, fuck yourself. So they don't want to make trouble, and they want to have a good time. So they're glad that they didn't invite Screech. And quite frankly, so am I. That character stinks. I mean, we all make fun of him, too. And then, you know, if you're going to get into porn and be a weirdo, then nobody wants to see you anyway. So you're going to write the tell-all book. That's what you get. You don't expect that things are going to go your way or that there's going to be a remake. Nobody wants to see your shit. You know, I've been watching that show Be Positive and how awful it is. But the girl in it that I watch it for, Anna Lee Ashford, is a Broadway star. (laughs) This is so funny. They had the uh, article. She goes, while many stars fled, <laughs> while many, they're, they're trying to make her a, a local hero. While many stars fled New York during the pandemic, Tony winner Annalie Ashford spent March through most of July in one, her one bedroom apartment with her husband, Joe Tapper, and their four year old son. And she goes, we don't have any outdoor space. We live above a grocery store. So our little guy learned about the virus right away. And so. She's like saying we, you know, like me, they, they probably live in a place just like me, even though she's a Broadway star. They live in a one bedroom in New York over a grocery store, which a lot of people live in. A, they're Broadway, you know. And so, you know, I've been complaining about that, that I see all these people and they're, you know, living, you know, they have their backyards and all that stuff. I'm like, why don't you shut up? And so then it's uh, and and we're, we're supposed to feel bad for. Hey, I've lived in a one bedroom with my husband and son this whole time. And then the second paragraph says. She only left Brooklyn to shoot her new CBS sitcom, Be Positive, in L.A. for producer Chuck Lorre. Well, she only left to shoot her new series on CBS. Well, good for you, you dumb twat. I'm sorry. I'm very angry and jealous. It's just such a stupid thing. You're like, oh, this poor, she's been suffering in New York this whole time. Except when she goes to uh, Hollywood to shoot her TV series. Which, if it's a Chuck Lorre uh, like it goes with any of the rest of them, which I don't think it will. It'll be finished by you, you know ten episodes. Because I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I'm saying if it goes the way of the regular Chuck Lorre, she's going to make a billion dollars, but it won't because it's awful. But who knows? Sometimes they just give Chuck Lorre whatever he wants because they're 
CBS is like, you're the only reason we're still on the air. So do whatever you want. So I felt so bad. I can't believe she's shacking up in that room. Oh, I can't believe the, the only time she's gone out is to go to make a movie in Hollywood. Wow. Jeez, to, to star on this CBS sitcom with Bernie Coppell. And last week, Linda Lavin. Well, excuse me. Boy, that burned me up when I read that. Don't try and make me feel bad for somebody when they have a CBS sitcom during a pandemic. When nobody's shooting anything or making any money. Why do I keep watching that show? It's all because of her. That guy is awful. And Bernie Coppell. And I was reading that Brad Pitt was delivering. He was spotted. He didn't make a fuss about it. Spotting, making hand deliveries of groceries to low-income families uh, this past week. Like he didn't make a big deal about his doing. He's wearing a mask. Nobody knew who he was. But people figured it out. He's probably following around once he leaves his house. That's pretty nice. He's obviously a good man. I just don't like his acting. Um, but it, it, every time I think of him, I keep thinking of Trish. I know he keeps coming around. Because I think she was living in one of those trailer parks, like he was, because he, I think she was dating a stuntman or an ex stuntman and living in a trailer park, like, like it was like Brad Pitt, but he's not as handsome as Brad Pitt. He was ugly. He's not as handsome as Brad Pitt, but the, the, the character of, that he was playing at once a time in Hollywood. And I keep thinking about that, and I keep thinking of them living on that ranch where the Manson kids were living. So now every time I see Brad Pitt, I'm thinking about Trish. God damn it. Then there was a a picture in the paper today of Rudy Giuliani, who's completely lost it. I mean, this guy was a hero, a hero to the people. And now not only is he so unattractive and gross, but he's lost his mind. But there's a picture of him today with his hair color dripping on the left hand side, a big close up for his hair color. He probably uses the same hair color I do. That's my worst fear of sweating and it dripping. Now, that's never happened before, so I don't know what hair color he's using. But Jesus Christ, there's just a big picture of a black drip dropping down his cheek. I mean, as if it could get any worse for this guy, like after he, you know, that Four Seasons mix-up, which still seems like it's a, a Saturday Night Live joke. Everybody's using it as their backdrops for Zoom. This is really funny. And the other thing I wanted to tell you is that, and this is a serious note, there's been a bunch of people getting pushed into the subway cars recently in the tracks, and it happened to a girl uh, just yesterday again, and it's because they're, you know, for, like, again, I haven't taken a subway because the subway is now full of uh, mentally challenged people more so than ever, uh, and everybody's blaming the mayor. And uh, this keeps happening, that people are getting thrown onto the tracks by weirdos. But, you know, I don't feel like they're not telling the right story because you can avoid getting pushed onto the tracks if you're paying attention. I don't know if you've ever been in New York City or on the subway, but most people, especially during commuting hours, this is 830 in the morning, stand on the very corner, the very edge of the platform looking to see if the subway is coming. So they're always standing over it. And I do it, too. But if you know, and, and, and this is, uh, I've been aware of this since, you know, the 80s and the 90s, because I, you know, when once I heard about this once, 
you got to be aware of your surroundings. You do live in New York City, you know. And if you're going to be sitting there texting while you're waiting for the tracks, then go to the back wall. Don't be an asshole, and I've seen it a hundred times. Don't sit on the edge of the platform sitting there using your phone and being unaware of the people coming up next to you or behind you. When I'm there, I'm always looking at suspicious characters that might push me. I'm thinking about it all the time. And I'm very aware of it, you know, especially for the past couple of years when I've heard more about it lately, you know, but I've been aware about it forever. Yeah, and I with so many girls that aren't aware of their surroundings where this happens, men too, but mostly women. I'm sorry, it's very sexist, but it's just I'm around a lot of women who, you know, who I go around and walk around with that don't seem to be aware of their settings and their talking. And I mean, technically, it's the man's job to, you know, what I've been taught, to protect. So maybe they are in like, well, I'm with Jessica Helwin, which is hilarious. Uh, he'll protect me. So maybe they don't have to be. But, you know, if you're by yourself and you're on a subway platform, don't sit at the edge, stand at the edge and be on your phone and not be aware of your settings. Look around and see what's happening. I really believe these are easy to avoid situations. And I actually blame, yeah, the woman who got thrown on the truck. She was very smart. She went underneath uh, in between the trucks so she didn't get hurt too bad. And I don't want her to die or anything, but I have seen this a hundred times. I almost want to go up to people. I'm like, number one, step away from the platform if you're not paying attention. Number two, close your fucking pocketbook. It's open. It's wide open. Are you an idiot? I have to tell, sometimes I will go up to people. I'm like, hey, zipper your pocketbook. Because, you know, you're, you're just waiting for it to happen and it will happen eventually. You just sometimes you must be aware of your settings. You live in New York City. And it's unfortunately not all fun times, you know, and I, I had to learn a lot of this the hard way. So I just don't understand how you can be older and living here a period of time and not be aware of your surroundings sometimes, especially when you've heard about three other people in the past month getting thrown onto the tracks. It, it, it's like going into the ocean. Three people got eaten by sharks, and then you're still going to go in the next week. And, and, you know, people haven't said it's solved yet. You know, I think that's one of the things you wait until next summer. If three people have gotten bitten by sharks, well, maybe today's not a good day in the same area. It, it, it really does feel like that, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry I used the word twine. That's rude. I just get I get very angry uh, about that, in particular women that don't that just don't pay attention to their surroundings when the, when they're alone. I can understand if you're, and again, that sounds so sexist. I mean, you have to say this yourself. I mean, look at it, you can't use the word. Well, the cancel culture we're living in and all this stuff. I don't even know what to say anymore. I was afraid to say that girl Sophia or Sophie looked pretty. Uh, the thing I was afraid to say Esther looks pretty. I still think girls like to hear that, but you just don't know anymore. It's so confusing. You know, Trisha, I'm just going to say when we're not bringing it around again, I'm sorry. I just can't. It's just, we used to spend every Monday night together. You know how much I love chicken wings. And she used to come with me every Monday night. And so we had all these adventures together because the best part was, you know, before Trisha, I used to do it with my friend Kelly, who was gorgeous. And we used to, it was great. You know, we used to fool around on Mondays. It was fantastic. And Mondays were the best. Monday Night Football, wings, tequila, maybe even other kind of drugs. I swear to God, I was just so in on Mondays. I was so Mondays were the best. And uh, 
Now they think about it, that girl Kelly and she we were thinking about getting married too, and she moved to Chicago, got married to somebody else. It's between me and some other guy, but I didn't commit. Because I was surprised she wanted to go that far. She certainly was pretty. She's she's great too. And she was totally in for just wings and football and whatever Mondays came. I said, Mondays is our day. We anything we do on Mondays, I have to invite Kelly to and and certainly Trish was in that way. Uh like so one time it was fashion week. I guess fashion week comes up in the fall during football season. And Sarah uh, was here for, Sarah Silverman was here for Fashion Week. And we were going to this big restaurant. I can't remember what it's called. It's not One Oak, but it's a major celebrity restaurant in Soho or something. And Sarah's like, hey, I'm doing this thing on Monday with these models and Fashion Week. Do you want to come? I'm like, "Uh, I can go, but I got to bring Trish because it's Monday. And and she goes, "Uh, okay. So I remember this so well. We were going down. It was in so, and Sarah and I were in a limo, but it was packed with people. You could barely get through. And it always reminded me of The Godfather 2. And I think I've told this on the podcast before. It reminded me of The Godfather 2 when Cuba starts going under, you know, the Castro, they make an announcement that the government's been taken over and everybody's trying to flee the city. So the streets are... You know, everybody's running around going crazy and Al Pacino's in his limo and he talks to Fredo and he knows and Fredo now is scared of his brother because he knows he's told him, Fredo, I know it was you. And he's yelling at Fredo. He goes, Freddy, you're still my brother. Come on, get in. It's the only way out of here tonight. And then Fredo disappears. and We don't see him again until the mom dies. But but he's yelling at him, Fredo, it's the only way. And I remember I was standing up out of the limo door or out of the rooftop yelling at Trish. Trish, you've got to run over here. It's the only way out tonight. I <laughs> said, so she has no idea what it's from. Sarah has no idea what it's from. But in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm like, God, the people on the podcast are going to love this. You know, or this will be funny. In, the, you know, in my mind, I'm picturing it in my mind. And someday I can depict this in a movie and nobody will even believe it happened. But it did. And Trish got in the limo. And it was just so, it was so packed with people. Not the limo, the outside. We were like barreling people over. <laughs> it was hilarious. That's what they deserve. I'm kidding. And we went to the restaurant and all the pop- and Sarah was getting ready and all the paparazzi was out there as soon as we got out and Trish was upset. She's like, oh, crap, I didn't know. And I'm like, you look, you look fantastic because she was like always wearing great stuff from being from work. And we had the, we had the best time because it was a Monday. So we weren't watching football. It was just Monday nights were the nights we go out. That was Dave Juskow's night. He loves Monday nights. Football is usually a part of it, but it's just being together with your Monday night friend. I even did that with Chris Murphy for a while. We were doing Monday nights. I'm like, hey, we're doing this on Monday, this Monday. We're not going to Wings. We're doing this. Uh, You know, if I had a Monday night pal for the season from September 1st to December 31st, no matter what happens on a Monday, and I don't care if somebody has something on a Monday, I'm not going to say I'm stopping it not to watch football. We just have to be together. And what a night we had. And I remember telling Trish, I said, you know, Trish, we're actually at the nexus of the universe right now. We are at the most exciting spot on the planet Right now, Fashion Week in New York City at the It Party to be at. You know, there was all these models and celebrities and stuff. I don't, I don't even remember who because it was such a whirlwind. And we, we ate like kings and we ate for free, of course. I think I've talked about it before because I couldn't believe that there was no cost. With the, guy, the owner picked up the check because, you know, it's just not fair that rich people get to eat for free. But what a great night. And she looked beautiful. And I think I have pictures from it because we have... 
Trisha and I, you know, obviously going through, I was going through pictures, not of Trisha. I don't like to go through pictures of dead people, but I was just going through for the TV show, for the YouTube show, and I came across all these pictures of her. And I'm like, God, we did so many of fun things where we're dressed up because we did these things on Mondays where we actually just didn't go to CD bars and watch football, which we certainly did. But we also did these like, you know, high society events, which of which you could take her to anything, which is what's made her so special. You could take her to a complete dive bar and she was terrific. And we'd eat wings and we'd eat bad deviled eggs that were made at a horrible, disgusting, dirty bar. And we'd drink tequila. And 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 then we'd go to a high society event where we would drink champ- champagne and hang out. Now, I know it sounds awful now we're doing a lot of drinking, but I mean, yeah, she was my drinking buddy because I didn't realize she had a problem. And I have, listen, I have been with lots of people who have had problems where maybe I know they're a little overboard, but it, uh, you know, I think it's going to be okay. And it's funny, I was talking to my friend William McLaughlin, who was also very kind to sign up for the Patreon uh, page. Thank you, William. And I've known William for years. And he now runs a rehab center in Pasadena. Uh, I believe it's called Impact. And he's been on the show before. He's been my co-host when I go to L.A. because he's the best and a delight. Really, you could use that word because he's also gay. So it's okay to say it's a delight because <laughs> it sounds kind of gay. But he's the best and such a good friend. And I feel like my life just would have been so different. Because in a way, he kind of died. Like, because he became issued the way Trish did, but with drugs, not so much alcohol, but both. But he got himself clean and he had to move out of New York and he ended up in California and I lost my friend and he just didn't do his job. And I think if he was my manager and we were together, I really think I could have gone to the top. I mean, this guy was just great. He was a great friend and he was so fun and I loved him so much. I mean, I still do. I still do. I make it sound like he's dead. But we used to party and we used to have a good time. And there was one time we're at this uh, bar. We're hanging out. We're in the bathroom. We're doing some, you know, drugs, which are now legal and important. And I said, William, you know, I've been noticing, even though we're doing these, and it's ridiculous to tell you this while we're doing this, but uh, I feel like you're doing these the wrong way. I feel like uh, you're going a, a little more further than I'm doing. I know it's really difficult to say while you're uh, drinking with somebody who's doing it to say, I think you have a problem. But he told me later, he said, it was actually good that you said that to me while we're doing it. It stuck in my head. I don't think I was the person that turned him around. He had to go to rock bottom, but it it was something that stuck in his head was why we're so friends now, such close friends forever. And the worst part is, I was thinking, God damn it, Trish knew him because he used to be the manager of Catcher Rising Star, but I met him before that anyway. In fact, he was the one that bought me in, and he was the one that bought me in. That's how I met Trish. That's how I met Katie. That's how I met Rick Newman, thanks to this guy, William McLaughlin, who's still around and one of my best friends. And I forgot that he owned this rehab center that if I was smart enough, when I was out in L.A., I would have called Trish, but I was so angry she was dating somebody else who wasn't right for her which he wasn't, which that sounds so stupid, that I didn't call her and I could have set up a meeting because she loved him too, William. And maybe we could have gotten the ball rolling. Maybe she wouldn't have gone to that particular rehab center, but maybe he could have spoken to her in a way where, because he's such a nice guy and so fun and, and, and interesting, 
he he wouldn't coddle you saying like Trish, I think you have a problem and need to come. It wouldn't be like that. He would just be like, you know, listen. I was like, you know, it would be casual. We'd be at a restaurant together or, or a, a you know a diner or something and just go out and and we could have a conversation, which maybe could start the ball rolling for her to get help. But I forgot. So there's all these woulda, coulda, shoulda, of course, when somebody like that dies. I could have done more. I should have done more. But, uh, you know, the times that I heard from her when she, you know, when she would call, you know, then we'd go for like three or four months without talking. I didn't know what she was doing then. And I guess she was hurting herself. Then when she'd come back to Jersey or, uh, you know, at some function that I guess reminded her of me she would call and then we'd be together again for a while and that's what happens with people with substance abuse problems i suppose but yeah it uh funny about that i'm trying to think if i have anybody else in my life right now like that i mean you know it's funny i guess i should be grateful i just have a gambling problem doesn't seem as bad even though you know what's worse what do you consider worse you lose all your fortune i mean i don't have a family so it's not that bad but a gambling problem can certainly ruin everything, just like it did for that guy, Craig Carton, who I don't particularly care for, but it certainly ruined his life, and it's ruined many others. It's ruined my life in many ways. But I don't think it's the cause of not being successful for me. Maybe. Hard to say. But it's still an addiction. And, uh, you know, I should probably... Uh, well, uh, you know, I'm trying to combat it. I'm trying to take it down. You know, for me... The whole key, everybody, will be uh, after the Super Bowl, will I still continue to bet? I'm hoping. I think I will be able to not. I was able to do it during the pandemic. So that's the key. I will always love betting on football. But if I'm betting one day a week, I don't mind so much. I know. It sounds like I'm just making excuses. This is probably why I couldn't help Trish. I'm just making excuses. She'll be fine. Eh, she'll be fine. Yeah, you never think about somebody drinking. You think they're going to die from drinking or have problems with the drink. You don't think about them falling and hurting themselves. Just something that doesn't come up. And, of course, it makes the most sense. It's what happened to Vic and Trish. Both being drunk and not being able to keep themselves up. And, and that's what caused the incident. And it's funny, you know, again, I think about when I fell on the glass table and I died. Trish helped me through that a lot, too. I'm sorry. I'm thinking of all this stuff. I don't know whether you care. Uh, she used to call me on my death day, you know, like, happy death day. She remembered all the time because I have a birthday and a death day. I was dead and came back. She was dead and she never came back. Uh, and then she helped me. I remember she would go to restaurants with me when I had to get steak, which was the greatest thing your doctor could ever say. You need to eat more steak. Okay. Boy, you know what? I'm glad I survived. And she came over and she took care of me a lot. And we went out, you know, for steak. She was a pretty good friend. I know she cared about me a lot. And uh, I cared about her too. My sister knows. I know you really cared about her. And I know Katie knows. Like I know you were hoping she might be the one. I know how crazy it sounds. I remember going to her house a couple of years ago and saying, look, I'm just going to. I'm going to put the cards on the table. I hate everybody you're dating. It's not the way to propose to somebody. But she was dating the biggest douchebags, and I thought she was in trouble in that sense. And I thought that was a cry for help. These guys are the worst people you could ever meet. 
Her parents hated him. Of course, her, her parents loved me. And that is the kiss of death, as we all know, for a girl to date somebody. Why don't you go out with Dave Jessica? I mean, oh, my God, how many guys did my sister that were in love with my sister where my parents are like, oh, why don't you go out with him? Me too. Why don't you go out with Paul? Ugh. No, I should have told her parents, hey, tell her that you hate me and you think I'm a bad seed. It's like the uh, Seinfeld one. <laughs> Is this your parents' car? Maybe. <laughs> Is that your support pillow? <laughs> it's exactly like that, and it's true, and uh, probably should have thought of that. I probably should have, should have had a, a talk with them. Hey, tell her you don't want her seeing me anymore, and then I'm sure this could work out, and we can all win. You know, that just guy is a real bad seed. I'd be careful of him. And certainly, you know, the funny thing is I've definitely gotten that rap before, but these people get it. You know, if people don't get it and they live in a different world than we all do, which is the, the world where Dave Juska is hilarious. <laughs> and that is a great world to be in, folks. A really terrific world. All right. Uh, listen. Uh, th- th- listen, folks, I want you to have such a great Thanksgiving. I don't know what's going to happen. I might be alone. Maybe I'll record next week's podcast on Thanksgiving. I swear to God, if I'm alone on Thanksgiving, I'm going to need to record. And I don't want to make this said. This should be a joyous time. We just started Patreon. We got a fun YouTube show every week. We got great guests on. We're having the 300th episode. But what are you going to do? These are fucked up times. And to spend Thanksgiving alone, my God, after being alone for a whole year is just horrible. I mean, you know, I don't care to go up my sister. I don't care. I don't like my family at all. <laughs> my brother-in-law is such an amazing cook. That's all I was looking forward to is drinking the little cans of beer and eating his delicious food, taking a nap, watching the Brad Pitt episode of Friends and going home and gambling on football. That's not a lot to ask. And none of that might happen, except the gambling on football. That's totally happening. But I, I might just really, I, I think I was showing a picture of the gobbler sandwich they have at Wawa. I'm going to have to pick up a couple of sandwiches just bring it here. That's my Thanksgiving. Oh, man, is that sad. This is just as bad as Fonzie eating that can of beans on Christmas Day. I mean, Christmas, you expect to be alone. But I tell you, though, oh, I remember the day I was home for, oh, well, we'll talk about it another time. Jesus Christ. But I just, I hope everybody's going to have a great time on Thanksgiving um, I just hope you, you you are able to at least be with your families or somebody and not be alone. That would make me sad. And and if you are alone, then you know, write me. You know, write to Dave Juskow fans at Gmail, and 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 I can correspond with you if you're going through a tough time because I know how it is. And maybe we could, you know, talk or something. I I just really hope somebody has you know everybody has somebody to be with somebody, even if it's just one friend, a friendsgiving or something, because we all need each other. This particular Thanksgiving, you know, but I don't know. It's all depends on tomorrow. It's I probably should have taped this tomorrow to let you know, but I wasn't sure what was happening. And uh, listen, I mean, you know, we got the 300th coming up. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm just going to tell you right now, Amy Heckerling is doing the podcast. She is. I was going to make that the 300th. I still might. We're recording after Thanksgiving. I I texted again. I'm like, look, I know we've been trying to get this together for a year, but it's my 300th. Will you come on? She wrote immediately back. Absolutely. I can't even believe it. You know 
She's the one. So that could be my 300th. Or the 300th will be a, a mix of uh, people we've had on and some other people. And I'm trying to get some people that you won't even believe I'm taking a chance on. Maybe we'll all come on for five minutes. You know, we'll do the Zoom video. And, of course, you'll get the video if you're on uh, Patreon. Otherwise, I guess I'd release the uh, video on YouTube like a month later or something. But um, for now, you only get it if you're on the uh, the uh, Calico level of, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> the Tape Just Count Patreon page. Oh, it's funny every time. You don't even get a tote bag at that level. I couldn't decide. Should I get the tote bag at $5? I don't know. I think the $10 seems to make sense to get a tote bag. We are trying to give other people. $10 is a lot of money. You get a tote bag. Get the bonus episodes. You know what? They're coming. And January, you know, I'm trying to put together a bunch of shows, whether they're on YouTube or live car shows. And I'm trying to put together a comedy seller weekly sit down talk show. And I'm I'm going to do it. So I'm going to try and find a way and I'm going to try and find a sponsor. We'll get paid for it. And 2021 could be fun. Even if we're not going to see each other. I would a mess. Right. But that's our show for this week. And uh, I really just, you know, I hope everybody just stays safe. I mean, I know everybody's saying that, but it's just getting worse. And I hope you can get tested. And I hope you don't test positive. I hope you don't die. And, you know, drink as much as you want and eat as much as you want at Thanksgiving. Because if you die that way, well, that makes it like, well, they overate on Thanksgiving. That, that you can live with. But when you're just, you know, going this way, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's something we're not expecting. That's horrible. Anyway. I talked forever this week. I, just, I, I was like, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about this week. And then I had an hour and a half again. Last week, we had a two-hour podcast. Well, what are you going to do? We're just sitting at home doing nothing. I figure you got time to listen to the podcast, right? Well, folks, I just want to really, again, I just want to say I hope everybody has a wonderful holiday. I'll see you after the holiday. We'll talk again. This week should be usually the week before Thanksgiving. The week of Thanksgiving is so much fun. The Wednesday before Thanksgiving is usually fun. Uh, what a shitty fucking year this is and it's culminating with even worse year but it's also kind of funny in a way so everybody have a great week we'll talk again next week i will always be here for you now write me if you want i uh thanks for so much for supporting me and the podcast because you know i'm going through a, a little bit of a rough time but i absolutely have hope for you for me and this country because i love it so much i have hope for everybody i will see you next week on the night live podcast good night everybody Hot, sweet, cherry.